losing your job through no fault of your own. Bosses who swear, threaten, even hit their employees. Foremen who order their staffers to operate under dangerous work conditions. Or supervisors who sexually harass employees. Few of us really know how to hang on to our jobs or what to do if our main source of income is abruptly terminated. Beat the Boss opens the doors on what really happens between the hours of 9 and 5. I didn't sexually harass anybody. I wasn't told by the employee that made the allegations that I was inappropriate or don't do that. All I did was thank her for doing me a favor. So I said thank you very much and I gave her a kiss on the cheek. These are real people in real situations. I left a, a hospital situation. He's come up behind me and gently rubbed my and I asked him to stop doing that. He said, I'll stop punching you, but I will not stop playing with him. Beat the Boss brings real workplace issues and problems to the airwaves and delivers vital information for Americans whose lives depend on keeping their jobs and preserving their dignity. Welcome to Beat the Boss. I'm Lisa Carton, along with Spencer Cohn, lawyer, pundit, unemployment expert, and author of Beat the Boss, Win in the Workplace. Spencer, you know, this is our fourth episode. How many more are we doing? Why do you ask? I've got plans. Plans? It's called vacation, Mexico, or maybe the Caribbean. Oh, oh my God. Don't, don't you enjoy what you're doing here? Isn't this like a vacation? Can I drink mojitos in here? No. How can you be thinking about vacation when we have so many employees, employers, and unemployed we need to help? Okay, we've been strictly focusing on the employee in the first three episodes of Beat the Boss and problems they incur in the workplace. But make no mistake, there are plenty of employers with troublesome employees. So in this episode, we're going to address some of the challenges they face, fair and balanced. Sounds like a network I work for. I don't think they use that slogan anymore. So, employers take the stage. There are plenty of very fair and likable employers. This episode will highlight some of their challenges. And coming up, we'll talk about employers who hire the wrong candidate, ways the employers can improve their workers' performance without write-ups or discipline, and we'll also hear from bosses who give their advice for a better workplace. We'll hear from a Hollywood exec, a plastic surgeon, a well-known comedian, an owner of a manufacturing and tooling company, and an owner of a taxi service, and even a famous yacht captain. But before we get started, I have to tell you, I had an interesting hearing recently, which is in line with today's topic. My client didn't appear a complete no-show. Cold feet? Yep. And it was supposedly a very simple case. My client told me she was demoted from a property manager to an assistant property manager with a $4 an hour decrease in pay and no prior poor performance reviews. Did she quit? She did. With this scenario, she had good cause to quit. Well, that's not good for the employer. Well, if the employer demonstrates poor or below average performance reviews, the employer can demote you and reduce your rate of pay. What if the employee, like your client, has no below average reviews? It's a little trickier for the employer, unless the employer keeps you with the same rate of pay. So what you're saying is if you have a big go and reject a similar position and your pay remains the same, 
you aren't going to be successful with an unemployment claim. That's correct. So what if you quit because the employer changes your position from executive chef to dishwasher and the pay stays the same? Would that be good cause to leave? Most likely, yes. But there's no guarantee a judge at an unemployment hearing would find good cause to quit if the rate of pay remains the same. But I certainly can make a strong argument that an executive chef is several rungs higher up the ladder from a dishwasher, and the position is nowhere near what you agreed to do when hired. Then it would fall on whether the change of position was temporary or permanent. Why would an employer do this? The employer may want to be spiteful. This often happens when the employer doesn't want to fire you, but instead wants you to quit. Why would an employer want you to quit? I can think of the zillion reasons, but the main reason is because it's an easy way out for the employer. It's less messy. Quitting a job places the burden on the employee to show good cause, which is not so easy to overcome. If the employer fires you, then the burden of persuasion is placed on the employer. So what happened to your client? I guess she wasn't being honest with me. And you spent time preparing her? I hope she paid you. She did, but I still felt like a white shirt hanging on the line, just flapping away with the wind as the judge unsuccessfully kept calling her number and she failed to pick up. So case dismissed? Oh, yeah. What do you think happened? When this type of situation happens, it's usually because the employee wasn't giving me the full story and then got nervous and bailed. This case really is a good example that not all employees are the greatest performers. Sometimes the employer does make the right call in demoting an employee or dismissing them. Dr. Robert Applebaum, a Los Angeles plastic surgeon, relays his secret to getting the best performance out of his employees. I can't imagine being an employer not having a performance issue. I guess the real bottom line is how do you keep your employees motivated? How do you keep them focused? How do you keep them interested in coming to work every day and uh, performing for you and keeping their performance at levels that you're happy with? So I'm in a medical office, a plastic surgery office. It's really simple. I just give them free plastic surgery, free Botox, free fillers. You know, everybody gets a little free something and uh, keeps them in line. Since I've been doing that, I don't have any performance issues anymore. Um, but all kidding aside, of course, you know, not everybody gets uh, something free. That is reserved for those employees that are doing a great job. It's a, a little extra. But on an everyday basis, I think one really has to look at teamwork, meetings, not being afraid to sit down and, and spend time with someone in a um, fashion that's really focused and help them succeed. I mean, ultimately, we want our employees to be successful both for themselves and for the business. And as an employer, we're always bound down with issues of the phone, answering emails, dealing with clients. But I have found that, you know, the best thing to do is, is spend quality time with your employees and focus on the issues that you want them to be successful at. Ultimately, their success is our success. And I found that really one-on-one -on -one works the best. I think dealing in a group session hasn't really been um, that successful. But I've been very fortunate. I don't manage that many employees at one time, but I do generally have great employees and I spend a lot of time with them. 
Well, I guess one way of getting the most out of your employees is to bribe them. I mean, free Botox. Well, I don't think it's a bribe rather than an incentive. Incentives are always good. I also like the idea of recognizing that one-on-one interaction with your employees is very productive. Showing personal interest in employees' progress makes one feel valued. Agreed. We also had the opportunity to chat with David Weintraub of WDE Talent, an L.A.-based management film and television production company. David shared his thoughts on finding the right employee. Lisa, Spencer, listen, as a CEO, you have to make sure that you have a happy group of people that work for you. So you have to educate them. You have to make sure that they feel comfortable in whatever they're doing working for you. It's not just you as the boss making sure that the operation runs. Your team has to be equally as strong as whatever you're capable of doing. But look, there's a lot of people that are going to slip through the cracks out there, and those people are not the people that you want to hire. The only way to weed them out is to test them. If you test them properly and put them in scenarios where you're going to see how they react to certain things, then you'll know if somebody's going to be a disgruntled, insubordinate, unproductive employee. And believe me, I've had to shit can a lot of these guys that work for me. When they didn't do what I asked them to do and do it exactly the way I asked them to do it, it was a problem. And I can give you one example, okay? I had an intern that literally came from Harvard, okay? They had a law degree. They had zero common sense on how to have any people skills. They could be great at being book smart, but they did not know how to relate to people. They thought because of their education and background that they knew how to do customer service, but they had zero skills to do so. So you gotta be very picky when you have employees that are not well-trained, and those are the people that can become these insubordinate, disgruntled, unproductive people. Listen. There's a lot of great people out there, so weed through them, make sure you pick the right ones, and always be good to your employees. Great to meet you guys. Thank you. David is so right. You have to educate employees and then test them. How do you test them? Get them out in the field or office setting and observe them. Okay. You know, that happened to me once when I was in high school. I applied to work for a moving company. You? Yeah. (laughs) They thought I was too small to lift furniture. So instead of hiring me right off the bat, they assigned me to a driver of an 18-wheeler. I'm going to say it again. You lifting furniture? How about me being an 18-wheeler? Exactly. (laughs) I jumped into the cab because I needed the job. And after driving a couple hours, I learned that we were driving five hours away to drop off a load of furniture. Poor Spencer. That's a very long day. It really was. And I had to find my way back home when we finished. (laughs) The driver told me the plan was that if I showed up the next day, I would be hired. All right. Did you show up? Oh, yeah. When I learned where we were going, can you say Ithaca, New York? (laughs) I asked the driver to drop me off at the next light. And And your mom had to come pick you up. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I called my mom to come pick me up, (laughs) and I'm very proud of it. Anyway, getting back to David's response, you have to be sympathetic to the employer who is searching for the best employee and ends up with a Judge Ader. Here we go again. Who's Judge Ader getting off the track again? It's a horse, and it is very relevant. A horse? No, I'm lost. After law school, I worked for a small law practice, and the firm's founder owned racehorses. I overheard him talking to his friend that his horse, Judge Ader was going to perform well at the track on Sunday. 
I recall him very vividly saying, he's another secretariat. Oh, yeah. I convinced my roommate to go with me to the track to bet money on the horse. Did the horse win? Not even close. Dead last. And the last time I saw the horse, he was running backwards. Oh, come on. It just goes to show you, like a promising racehorse, finishing last, an employee can be equally disappointing. You really have a way with words, Mr. Miyagi. Danielson, our next guest. Okay. So we're going to lighten things up a bit. Our next guest, Ron White, is a well-known comedian, actor, member of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and author of I Had the Right to Remain Silent, But I Did Not Have the Ability... And that was a New York Times bestseller. So let's bring the funny first before he jumps into his advice. I lost my sunglasses, and uh, yesterday I went to the sunglass hut. Here's the question. Why does a pair of sunglasses cost more than a 25-inch color television set? (laughs) I go to the sunglass hut. I see a pair of glasses I like. I don't love them. I don't. I like them. 309 bucks. And I asked the guy very politely, how do you sleep at night, you little prick? You know what I mean? And I was just wondering. And I told him, and this is true, that two weeks ago I bought a 25-inch color television set from Walmart for 218 bucks. And he goes, well, apparently, sir, you don't get it. I'm listening. He goes, these glasses eliminate 100% of all UV rays. I'm like, no, apparently you don't get it. This thing decodes a digital satellite signal that picks up from outer fucking space. (laughs) That guy's pretty funny. I mean, I always followed that guy. You know, Ron actually has a staff with several employees. So let's hear his experience as a boss. Most people that are bosses, uh, they weren't always the boss. That's been a large part of my young life, working for somebody else, probably until I was about almost 30 years old. And then I just worked for myself, which is the best thing to do and the easiest thing to do. When the career got big, I had to have a staff to support it. That means that all of a sudden I am a boss. I've got paid employees that try to get done what I need to get done in the time frame I need to do it. And I think that what you know about being a boss kind of related to how you were treated as an employee, which turns out wasn't that great. And uh, I seemed to cause tension. I seemed to make people nervous. I was too loud, too direct, and too undiplomatic. And uh, I'm like, fuck it, that's all I know how to do. I'm just not a great boss. Got to uh, spend a lot of time around John Paul DeJoria, and uh, more than anything else, uh, for me, a role model and a mentor, because I got to watch him interact with his employees, it gave me new information that helped me evolve as just an employer, you know, just how to be better at processing those things that need to get done, and, and quit being a dick, you know. It, John Paul was just so nice to everybody, and it worked so much better. I started being nice to my employees. I didn't even mean it. <laughs> Trying to get results, so I think um, if you want to learn how to be better at anything, you find somebody who's really, really good at it, and see, you know, what you can bite off. And uh, luckily, 
you know, I've had some people put in my life that just really had a positive influence on how I work with others, and, uh, and I take pride in being a, a good boss, and I think it's important to, for your employees to have a, a chance to uh, have some fun, right, <laughs> when they're working for you, that's okay. I can't remember a job that I ever had that I thought was very much fun, but I think working for me is okay now. Thank you guys for listening. You guys all take care. And remember, don't bang your head on anything. It hurts. I'd love to have him as my boss. I'm sure he'd allow you to drink mojitas at work. Okay. But, you know, he's right. Most people who are bosses weren't always the boss. They learned on the fly. There's no employer manual out there. And if there was one, the employer probably wouldn't read it. (laughs) I appreciate White's candor that he wasn't very good at being an employer. Fortunately, he had a great mentor. He did. And he learned it's better to kill them with kindness, even if he didn't mean it. An employee is really a member of your family. I think the lesson to be learned here is that there's more to an employee than just performing the job. You know, it's true. You can be a great salesman, for example, but if you're a risk somehow to your employer, it really doesn't matter how good you are. You'll eventually create a problem for your boss. All right, so now let's take a sail on the high seas and welcome Captain Lee from the Bravo reality show, a very popular show, Below Deck. Spencer and Lisa, Captain Lee here. Ah, yeah, as a captain, I have had real-life performance issues with employees. You just have to keep the things that the guests don't need to see below deck. I know that was a terrible pun. (laughs) But uh, doing it at the same time can be challenging, and you have to be able to separate the two. You know, sometimes you just have to cut your losses and run, but uh, sometimes timing gets in the way. It's hard to get rid of somebody like in the middle of a charter, in the middle of the ocean, and then it can be even harder to try and replace them. And sometimes you're more than willing to maybe put up with the devil you know instead of the devil you don't. Most of the time, I like to try to get the most out of them, you know, find out what their little niche is. Maybe I put them or they ended up in a position that they don't really belong in and they would be better served maybe working on the interior instead of the exterior. Or maybe as a bosun, it's too much responsibility for them to handle, but they'd be just fine as a deckhand. So you try to determine all those things and you know you have to do it on the fly. Another issue that you have is most workplaces, when nine to five or whatever the hours are, when you're done, you get to go home and leave your job behind. We don't get that luxury because we live with the people that we work with. We share meals with them, we share bunk space with them, and we have tight, close quarters, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then we also have the guests. You try to keep all of that stuff separate because if you let it affect the guests, then you've crossed over the line, and then that will affect other people's income. It's a fine line, and it takes a little bit of finesse, but you also have to be firm. And sometimes it takes a bit of psychology, but it can be a bit tricky. And you gotta love what you do, and I certainly do. And sometimes people just aren't cut out for the position that they're put in, and you have to realize that, and sometimes you've really done them a favor by cutting them loose so that they can pursue something that they're actually good and talented at. So, all the best, kids. I like that slogan. Put up with the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. 
The captain also recognizes that sometimes an employee is just not in the right position, not a good fit. Maybe they can shine in another way. I guess when you're out at sea, they only have so many life jackets on board. (laughs) You have them do other tasks until you get to the next port and cut the anchor. Next up, we hear from Peter Zertes, a taxi service owner who really has the solution for getting the most out of his employees. Hey, Spencer, Lisa. Great show and a great question. The old adage of you get what you give is the most simple answer to understanding employee performance issues. When a person is respected, recognized, and rewarded, the employer-employee relationship is healthier. Performance levels are higher in production benefits. For us, motivation has always started with respect. Respect regardless of role, respect regardless of gender or nationality, and respect regardless of need. If someone has come to us for employment and we've accepted them, then our acceptance is complete and that we are accepting that person for who they are and what they can do for our company. It should not come as a surprise to anyone that equality in the workplace is a prime motivator to achieving success both as an individual and as a team. When an employee clearly extends great effort, takes on extra responsibility, helps a co-worker, brings forward a great idea, or draws praise from a client, these actions and these results must be recognized. People say that they don't need recognition, but the truth is they love it. Praise, when deserved, is truly transformative. Even a simple thank you is a powerful motivator. I would also mention that an additional and critical form of recognition is listening. Listening to employee concerns, seeking out solutions to individual and group problems are the highest form of recognizing the value of employees and paying the highest dividends. Respecting and recognizing the contributions employees make to the success of your business goes a long way in keeping employees motivated. But you don't have to be in business for 40 years like I have to know that there's still a very important missing ingredient, reward. Reward can take many forms, the simplest being money, with advancement and various perks not far beyond. The important element here is to know your employees know what is important to them. It may be that health care, daycare, or more time off is the reward that they're looking for. The key is to know your people, respect them, recognize them, and listen to them. In this way, you'll usually know the reward that would mean the most to them. In the end, I suppose the most productive employee is the one that feels they belong. In the end, I suppose the most productive employee is the one that feels they belong. And that, ultimately, is what a successful employer makes everyone around them feel like they do. Peter certainly respects his workers and takes a sincere interest in his employees learning what's important to them. This reminds me of a client I had who worked his entire life as a salesman, but he was fired as a bagger at a grocery chain. I was confused. I asked him what he was doing as a bagger. He said, I wasn't there for the pay, I was there for the health benefits. This is an example of the big grocery chain not knowing their employee, and more importantly, not knowing his personal needs. Yeah, another company, Starbucks, they don't pay great, but I understand they have a very good health plan. Employers have to know what their employee treasures most. 
Perhaps it's spending time with their family and kids, or another employee might ask for frequent overtime. I get it. Another employee perhaps has a sick spouse, and health benefits might be highly valued, or if an employee is older or handicapped, traveling may not be so desirable. Employers need to know their employees. And next up, we have the owner of a materials distributing company. This is an interesting story about one of his employees' unsavory habits. She was with me for a number of years, and she was a good office manager, really good with customer service. But she was also up in the front office, so you know she was in the entrance where folks would come in. And the one problem that she had was that she was kind of messy, disorganized. And her desk was always in uh, disarray and messed up and piles everywhere, but just scattered. I don't know how she can find anything. And then she also had a bad habit of eating at her desk. And she was really messy when it came to that. So there was food and her keyboard was all messed up. And she was just not a very neat person. And anytime she would eat something, it would just get all over everything. This went on for quite a long time, so she got there, which is driving me crazy, because every time I'd walk up front there, her desk would be a mess, and she would be a mess, but she was doing a good job, so I didn't want you know, to let her go, but I couldn't take it anymore, because I couldn't stand it, and then people came in the front lobby, it wasn't a good presentation for the company, so we finally just worked out a deal where I suggested that maybe it might be best for her to work remote from home. And that way she could log into the company computer and and uh, I wouldn't have to see her mess and she could be disorganized, and but she would do her job and I wouldn't lose her. So we figured out a way around the problem. Anytime I would interview for a position that my people would be interacting with anybody else outside the company, I would do their interview at a restaurant. That way I could see how their table manners were, how they held themselves, whether they would be really kind of presentable in front of a client and also give a good presentation for us. So after that, I always would take a prospective candidate out to lunch or something like that for me to see that. And that worked out really well. You can tell a lot from that when you take people out to lunch. That's a great solution and fix. He was struggling with a problem that was affecting his business and decided to have the employee work remotely problem solved. Instead of creating an uncomfortable situation by confronting the employee over her messiness, he created a solution, freeing up more desk space for perhaps an expanding business. Have you ever heard of an HR manager taking an employee out to lunch and assessing their eating habits or sitting down with them to have a frank discussion about what's important to the employee? Maybe an owner, but never someone from human resources. That's right. That's why I don't have a favorable opinion of human resources departments. In general, They have no heart for the employee and no direct day-to-day contact to evaluate performance. And they don't play a role in getting to know an individual during the hiring process. HR implements and ensures company policy, signing the employee handbook and insurance forms when you're hired, approving a leave of absence, keeping your performance reviews, and their presence is there when your employer fires you. HR is there to protect the employer's interests. I keep saying it over and over again. So after listening to what our guest employers had to say, let's summarize. Here are some ideas employers can implement to help them become better bosses. Make sure the employee feels valued and vested in the company. Spend quality time with the employee. This reduces employee stress 
improves your business and profitability. Do you value me? You're priceless. Open and honest communications. Sounds like a marriage. Employers need to know what's going on with their business. Absentee owners or owners that don't take an interest in their employees are not likely to be successful. I'd be okay if you were absent for a day or two. Be flexible with your employees. If an employee needs time off, give it to them and work around their absence. I see a trip to Hawaii in my future. Give constructive feedback, not criticism. That's very important. Nothing good comes out of criticism. Like a marriage. Learn to listen to your employee. Like a marriage. (laughs) Foster a personal relationship with your employee. Even if you have numerous employees, rent a tent and have a party. You know, Aflac, that supplemental insurance company, Mm -hmm. the owner mingles with his employees at these events and knows their names and positions. Many companies reward their staff with get-togethers. It releases tension and often puts staff and management on more of a level playing field. Scotch with the boss doesn't sound too bad. Just don't overdo it. (laughs) My father used to uh, own a retail business, and after Christmas, he regularly would take all his employees and their wives or significant other to a dinner and a show to offer his appreciation. Very nice. Give incentives and bonuses. Can't go wrong with that as long as incentives or bonuses are easily obtainable. Have we talked about my vacation yet? Make the work experience fun for your employees. Fun is taking your staff to Hawaii. Would you settle for a can of pineapple? Always with a joke. Know what's important to your employee. A trip to Hawaii. Treat an employee the way you would want to be treated. Now that's good advice. Test your employee with various duties before assigning them to responsibility. Another strong idea. Next up, our tip of the day. Sometimes an employer wants an employee to cover an event or open or close the store or work overtime on a shift or an order unexpectedly needs to go out and you need the employee to stay a little longer. An employer should always be conscious of the inconvenience on their staff and reward them immediately. Don't think the employee owes you the favor. They don't. All right. It's time for questions from employers. Okay, I've got a kind of a stack here. Uh, Let me pick these up here. Susan from Key Biscayne, Florida writes that she works in an HR department and she says a lot of our employees ignore their break time and they add it onto their lunch break. Employees must take breaks separately and not add it onto lunch. A verbal warning to the employee who does this is in order. There are only about seven or nine states that require employers to give their employees rest breaks. Those are California, Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, Minnesota, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, or employers that are bound by collective bargaining agreements. Here's a question from an owner of a nursery in Huntsville, Alabama. She says, I regularly notice the smell of alcohol on one of my employees' breath. I want to have them tested for alcohol. Can I do it myself? Employers should not conduct their own urine or breathalyzer test of their employee. It won't be a valid test. You can write notes on what you observed, such as employee having trouble standing or slurring their words or bloodshot eyes or isn't coherent. Instead, subscribe to a clinic and drive or call the employee in Uber and have he or she tested at a licensed facility. I have had so many cases where the employer sends the employee to get tested but allows the employee to drive themselves to the facility. 
Sometimes I wonder who's really drunk. Okay, finally, Sandy from Toledo, Ohio writes, I have an employee who doesn't get along with their supervisor who's been overseeing our factory floor for 20 years. Both are great workers and both work the same hours, so what should I do? Find out exactly what the issue is. It may be clashing personality types or perhaps something unrelated to work. Maybe the employee just resists authority. You'll have to figure out what that problem is. Talk with other employees and get their feedback. Take the time to sit with each separately to understand what's going on. And then with the two together, try to come to a resolution. Placing blame is not the answer. Just get to the root of the matter. Once you discover the source of the problem, only then do you have a chance in resolving it. Well, that's great advice. All right. So that's it for now. Now do I get to go to Hawaii? How about we watch an episode of Hawaii Five-0 instead? Stay tuned for our next episode, and we'll be back with more sage advice for employees, employers, and the unemployed. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, under The Work Whiz, or for an immediate question, visit Spencer's website, flatrateappeal.com, and you could chat with him live, or you can email him a question to spencer at beattheboss.tv. If you'd like to leave us a review, go ahead. You can do so on Spotify, Google, or Apple. Beat the Boss podcast is designed to offer awareness of issues at the workplace. It is not intended to give legal advice. Always consult an attorney in your area for your particular situation. 